0: Well, it's a new year. It's time to get going. Are you ready? New Year's is always an interesting time. People make resolutions. People eat too much during the holidays and then have all these elaborate plans as to how they're going to make amends for it and make up for it. It's always an interesting time. Um, I stopped making resolutions. That's my resolution, not to make resolutions. Um, but anyways, it's a it's a wonderful time of the year because we've just come off the holiday season and uh, most of us uh, have thought about moving beyond Christmas and New Year's and now getting started in what all lies ahead. We've taken down the greens here at church, but did you know that the season of Christmas is still going? The 12 days of Christmas go from Christmas Day to Epiphany, which is actually tomorrow. So we're still in the season of Christmas and if you recall most of the words to the 12 days of Christmas, you know that today is the day of the 11 pipers piping. But Christmas is a wonderful time, this season of Christmas. We, we plan, we prepare, so much goes into getting ready for Christmas and then once it's over it's like, whew, Ah, that's over. But Christmas is a time to remember that after the presents and the gifts comes the gift of presence with a C. Presence with a C. Because the presence of Christ is the greatest gift of all. And that's the one that endures. That's the one that really matters. I don't even remember all the gifts that I got this year. I don't remember everything in my stocking. That doesn't matter. What matters now in Christmas tide is the presence of Christ and our willingness to keep that spirit alive, to let the love and light of Christ keep going and growing in our lives and in the world. And Epiphany is a day of light. It celebrates the arrival of the Magi who came after the event, after the birth. We don't know when they came historically, but it's tradition that was on that twelfth day. And so January 6th is always uh, celebrated as Epiphany. And this is the closest time we have to that to be here in worship. So today we're celebrating Epiphany Sunday. The light that came into the world is a light that still comes. And when someone has an epiphany, it's it's as though a light goes on and they see something in a new way. That's what an epiphany is. So we're here to celebrate the light and the love of Christ that came into the world and still comes. Now, during the holidays, we've all done a lot of, well, I won't say everyone. I can speak personally. We've, at our house, done a lot of eating. That's part of what comes with, This season for many of us in our family traditions, lots of meals, lots of eating. And today we're beginning a sermon series called The Sacred Arts of Life. The Sacred Arts of Life as we think about how art and different art forms can inform and strengthen our faith. Because the arts have a way of speaking to us in deeper, more meaningful ways, often that go beyond words. If you've ever stood in front of a painting that just captures your awe and your interest and you can't stop looking at it, it's connecting with something deep within you that you can't put into words. That's what great art does. Music. Music can put us in touch with things far beyond words. All the different art forms can do that for us. And so we're looking specifically not just at the arts, but the sacred arts of life. What are the things that put us in touch with the sacred? With God? And so today, we're going to explore a theme called The Art of a Good Meal. Because cooking can be an art. Cooking can be an art. Now, I'm not one of those people who can claim that it's an art for me, but I certainly appreciate and enjoy good cooking. Because food and cooking appeal to all the senses. Sight. Sound. Feel. Smell and taste food touches and affects all of our senses and so the art of a good meal is something we might want to consider for a while we have our daily routines of eating and drinking you can imagine the place where you probably sit at home most often to have your meals we get into our routines of having our meals And in a day where practically everything is instant, you know, we have uh, instant foods, we have instant pots that aren't always that instant, um, and we have microwaves, we have prepackaged food, instant this, instant that, that cooking for many has become a lost art. But there's nothing like a homemade meal. There's nothing like something made from scratch I don't know why that's called from scratch I've never figured out why why uh why something made from scratch but I guess with cooking we're we're looking at all the elements of creation and it takes all of the things of creation we take many of the things of creation to put them into a meal to create something and um We want to create, when we cook, we want to create something that's enjoyable and and nourishing. So that it's touching all the senses, but it's also giving our body the energy it needs to go day after day after day. And it's an incredible process. So what goes in um, to a meal? A pinch of this, a dash of that, a lot of something else. That's the way a good chef cooks if it's an art. It's not just reading straight out of a cookbook, but they're doing it sort of by feel and by experience. And when you're preparing a meal for people and thinking about dinner guests coming, what goes into that? Well, there's a dash of cleaning, maybe a lot of cleaning, a pinch of setting the right music or the right tone, lighting candles. It's more than just the food, you see. It's the whole preparation. It's the whole experience of what it goes into preparing for a meal, for a celebration, for a time of being together, and Part of the art of a good meal is that the host or the chef puts him or herself into it. Right? You can go to a good restaurant. Everything could be mechanically right on time. Everything could be just so. But if you don't sense that the person serving, the person who welcomed you when you first came in was really into it, there's something lacking. But when the host, when the chef puts themselves into it as an act of love, wow, that can make a huge difference. Right? You've all experienced that, whether you've been the recipient or whether you've been the giver of such a meal. Because when the host puts him or herself into the meal, everyone who's gathered and the host connect, and it's though we're all saying yes, Yes to this experience, yes to this time, and yes to life. And so let's take a look at our text from Luke. It's about a meal, and it's come after three other, two other stories about meals. There's first, uh, the story of, um, the meal, and Jesus is telling the parable of the, person having a meal, and everybody wants to jockey for position, and who's going to sit where, okay? And then the next story, he says, when you throw a party, don't invite your friends and the people you know and have a good relationship with, but invite the poor, invite the widowed, invite the lame. And then he goes into this story, in which lots of people, the right people are invited, And they all start making lame excuses. They make excuses that aren't even reasonable if you look at Jewish history and what was going on. And if somebody says, I'm sorry, but I'm getting married, they would never have said, I'll come the night before my wedding if they were already planning to be married. So there's a lot of really funny excuses. And as it turns out, it's it's a little strange that every single person who was invited chooses not to come. Have you ever gone to a party where you start hearing that other people aren't going and pretty soon you wonder if you should go? Well, anyways, they decide not to come. And so the host compels his servant to go out and find others. And they come, but even that's not enough. So he goes everywhere beyond the bounds perhaps to all the world it represents. Not just the chosen people, but to all the people. Everyone is invited to this meal. And the only people who don't come are the ones who do it by their own self-choice. Think about that for a moment everyone is invited to participate in the great meal of the kingdom of the feast. And the only ones who don't come are those who have chosen not to come. But at the end of the day, everyone, everyone is invited. That's a pretty powerful story if you think about God's kingdom and God's intention for humanity. Everyone. Every single person is invited. And what is that really? That's grace. That's grace. Because nobody comes on their own goodness. Everyone comes at the invitation. This isn't a potluck, by the way. The host is preparing the whole meal. That's the deal. This isn't come and kind of earn your supper by bringing something to share. There are other stories in the Bible about sharing. But today, this is about the great feast of God's kingdom, where everyone is welcome and included. And then we come to our 1 Corinthians text, where Paul writes, For I have received from the Lord what I hand to you. That the Lord Jesus on the night he was betrayed took bread and after he gave thanks he broke it and gave it to them and said this is my body broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And likewise after supper he took the cup. And he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Have you ever thought this is the best meal of all? You see, the art of a good meal takes everything into consideration. Because, as I said earlier, the host, the chef, puts him or herself into it. Well, that's what Jesus did. He puts himself totally into this meal for us. And what a marvelous gift that is. What a marvelous gift that is. And let's set the stage. Let's set the context of that meal. There they were in the upper room sharing their last meal together. They were actually celebrating the Seder, the Jewish Passover meal. There were many things that went into that meal. If you've ever shared in one, you know that there's a a lamb shank. There's khoroset. There are the bitter herbs. All the things that symbolize their bondage and slavery in Egypt. And that's all remembered as a part of the meal. There are different courses, if you will, to the Jewish Passover meal. Just like when you are participating in a four or five course meal. There are different parts to it. Each leads... And gives way to the next. So let's put this in a larger framework. Jesus' life, His ministry, everything He's done is preparation for this saving act in the Lord's Supper. That's the art of a good meal. That's the art of of a good meal because the sacred art of life is the total and full investment of life. And in the sacred arts of life, we have the opportunity to encounter the sacred, to encounter God. And we have that very opportunity here through this meal. Because sacred is part of sacrament. And a sacrament, the Lord's Supper, is a sacrament in which we can participate in that. A sacrament simply points beyond itself to that which it is trying to embellish and empower, which is our relationship with God Through a gift of sacrifice and love. And that's what a sacrament is. That's what the Lord's Supper is. So, this meal we're about to share, you see it here on the table. If you hadn't noticed, these are kind of small pieces of bread, they're meager. Compared to most of the meals we participate in, puny. But it's the best meal of all. Because this meal, this bread, show you the size of these cups. These little cups, those little cubes of bread, offer nourishment for our souls. Because someone thought to gift us with the art of a good meal. I don't know about all of you, but I'm famished. So let's eat. Let's eat. Amen.